The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Reuters News. Welcome to The Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Chong, Washington columnist of Reuters Breaking Views. This week, we're in the nation's capital to chat with Art Laffer, who is often referred to as the father of supply-side economics and advised President Ronald Reagan. He's also known for the Laffer Curve, which shows trade-offs between tax rates and tax revenue, and is now a consultant. He talked to the exchange after making the rounds on Capitol Hill to meet with lawmakers about their latest tax reform efforts, including the border adjustment tax. He compared it to a tariff that would hurt the economy. Republicans ended up agreeing with him and dropped the idea in their latest plan. We discussed how Reagan managed to push tax reform through in 1986, the last time there was an overhaul. Laffer noted that the Gippers' first go at taxes in 1981 was just simple rate cuts. It wasn't until the impact of those reductions was taking effect and the economy recovered from a recession that Republicans could tackle tax reform. That's why Laffer urges President Donald Trump and Republicans in Congress to be less ambitious now and start off with a simple corporate tax rate cut. He also discussed the supply-side experiment in Kansas, where Republicans recently overturned tax cuts pushed by Governor Sam Brownback, who was advised by Laffer. He chalks it up to specific mistakes made there and says he's still optimistic that Trump can hit 3% plus annual GDP growth if he plays his tax cards right. Check it out. So um, I wanted to start in the beginning with uh, the tax reform debate, especially given your unique perspective as an economic advisor to President Ronald Reagan the last time we actually did comprehensive tax reform in 1986. And I wanted to get your thoughts on you know, what you learned during that experience. I mean, obviously it was a different political time, but if you think there are any lessons there for what Congress and the Trump administration is dealing with now. I mean, for us, the really comprehensive tax reform was in 1986. And just to take you through that a little bit, we dropped the highest marginal income tax rate from 50% to 28%. That's a pretty big cut on the super rich. And then, just in case we missed some, we cut the corporate rate from 46% to 34%. We raised the lowest rate from 12.5% to 15%, all right? And then we got rid of all these deductions, exemptions, exclusions, so that it was exactly static revenue neutral, okay? Um, and uh, what happened is we went from 14 brackets down to two brackets. That was it. Um, we needed total support from both parties. Uh, this bill, which wouldn't even get one vote in the U.S. Senate today, got uh, 97 votes in the Senate in uh, 1986. There were three Democrats who voted against it. Uh, Paul Simon from Illinois, uh, Melchior from um, Montana, I believe, and uh, Levin from Michigan. Otherwise, all the Democrats voted for it, even though it sounds very undemocratic today. The Democrats loved it. Their press releases were all just as if I'd written them. I mean, it was amazing at that time. We need that type of support, and generally that type of support comes when one side has a clean win over the other. Um, and, and what happened in 81, 82, we had a tax bill that we passed, and it was a good tax bill, 
but it phased in the tax cuts. So they happened in 1983. Now, if you know there are going to be tax cuts next year, what do you do this year? You defer all the income you can. So we caused a deep recession depression in 81, 82. Reagan's favorables went from 75% down to 34%. I mean, he became the, the 82 election we lost badly. I mean, he lost seats in the House. We lost a, a Senate seat as well. He was really very unpopular. And then the tax cuts took effect. And they, they started on January 1st, 82. Just fun and truthful. From January 1st, 1983, to June 30th, 1984, that's a year and a half, that's 18 months, the U.S. economy grew by 12%. Mm. It grew at a little less than an 8% per annum average rate during that eight. Well, that covers a lot of sins. That puts a yeah. lot of people back to work. It does. So, well, but, now it's two, you can barely get to 2%. So. I know. Well, that's because <laughs> you can get there just as bad policies. But what happened is, by the time we got to 84, Reagan was again on top of the world. Mm. We won the election in 84. I think we got 49 out of 50 states. And that wasn't because of Mondale. Mondale's a damn good guy and really would have made a very good president. It's just hard to run against God. But what you need <laughs> to get the type of tax reform now is we need to find some way of clearing up this horrible battling between the parties and all that stuff. And it, it really needs a victory. Yeah. One side needs to just completely crush the other side uh, nicely. I hope it's with growth. And that happens, then you get all of us coming together again. Yeah. Well, do you think there's a potential for that given, I mean, the Republicans control yeah. Congress and they control the White House, but given all the arguments, and we, we'll get to the border adjustment yeah. tax in a, in a bit, but given all the differences that have come up so far, it, it seems like it's still been pretty challenging. I don't think it's Republican or Democrat, liberal or conservative, mm -hmm. left wing or right wing. I think it's just economics. Um, in the first two years of his presidency, Ronald Reagan was not loved by all the other Republicans. If you look at it before he was elected, uh, I got the Young America's Foundation out at Rancho Cielo to mm. do a collection of all what the Republicans said about Reagan, and it was pretty nasty stuff. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> it really was nasty. Uh, but that same thing happens with Trump. It, you know, this is all needs to be cleared up with a victory. Yeah. And that will happen. It, it will happen. I guarantee it'll happen. I, I don't know whether it'll be 2018. I, I, I would imagine Trump will lose some seats in the House, uh, but will pick up a couple seats in the Senate. I would imagine that unless something really weird happens. But at some stage, this economic growth, the stock market, all of that will start swinging this electorate powerfully in one direction or the other. Mm. And when that happens, you're off to the races. Yeah, he'll actually have the leverage then to Yeah, and you know, his. once you get this economy going, you can't stop it. Mm -hmm. Because it's been so badly run into the ground that we're lying on our backs on the basement floor. There's no way further to fall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and now it's only up, and I'm really excited about how that will happen. Well, let's get into the details then of the tax efforts that are in Congress now, specifically the House Leadership Plan. And you just put out a report on the border adjustment tax. Um, the supporters of this effort say it will raise a trillion dollars. It will, you know, rebalance the incentives in terms of imports and exports. And you, you know, talk about why this is actually a horrible plan and not a true bad, and you know all the reasons why it won't work. Can you talk about, you know, why you think? Yeah, it's so I'll go through a couple of them with you. I mean, I don't remember these people who were the 
the designers of this plan being in my PhD program with me. I don't, yeah. <laughs> did, did I miss you that? Don't recall. I don't remember whether I was teaching in it or whether I was a student in it. I don't remember them. And if they were, they probably didn't get higher grades than I did on trade. And trade's my specialty. What the border adjustment tax tries to do is to match a VAT. But we don't have a VAT. Yeah. So therefore, they want to do a border adjustment tax on the income tax, which doesn't work. It just plain doesn't. I mean, you can see it very simply. What they want to do is say all revenues sold abroad are, are not taxable and all expenses from abroad are not deductible. Well, that's silly. A guy, a company that sells a product in the US for $100 and from abroad, uh, they don't get to deduct the expenses and they have to report all the income there and they want to be taxed at 20 plus percent. I mean, that makes no sense. And then all the ones who are selling abroad who pay no taxes on the revenues, they, they won't be earning 100% of their revenues and profits. So they won't be paying, you know, they won't be getting any of the benefits either. They may get a little benefit, but not much. So it will become a huge tariff. And that doesn't work for anyone. No. Well, what part of the reason why the leadership likes it, though, is that they say it will raise a trillion dollars in revenue. So. Do you see alternatives that of could replace it's that that you are don't realistic? Want, yeah, you don't want to offset uh, the current tax cut with revenue increases. I mean, that makes no sense. If we'd have had pay-fors uh, under Harding and Coolidge, we never would have had the Roaring Twenties. If we'd have had pay-fors the way these guys are talking about it in the 1960s, we never would have had the Go-Go 60s and the Kennedy boom. If we had paid for us in the 1980s, we never would have had Ronald Reagan in the respect. Mm -hmm. The pay for us of a tax cut should come in the future, not now. Mm. So you want to have pay for us five years from now when the economy booms and then you pay for the tax cut. That's where you pay for it. It's like an investment in the future. You don't have an investment that gets a payoff in the first day, do you? No. Yeah. You do an investment and then you get your payoffs down the road. And that's exactly what we did in the 80s and that's exactly what they should do now. Sure. And this pay-for notion is a very silly notion and doesn't deserve to be considered seriously. Yeah. Well, what do you think are the possible offsets then? Because back in 86, there were uh, cuts on the individual side, but you yeah. had, you know, you raised rates on the corporate side. And yeah, there but were by 86, we had a boom. <laughs> we don't have mm. a boom now. We're in the worst shape ever. 81 tax bill had no offsets, none. And that was the one that started us to the boom. That's why I told you about the growth rate from January 1st, 83 to June 30th. That was a result of the 81 tax and the other policies we did, but there were no pay for it. Once you're at a full employment boom, then you can do pay for it. And that's what we did with the agency. We did a static revenue neutral bill that lowered tax rates and broadened the tax base, which is just what we should do. That's not what we should do today. Today, we need to get ourselves off the basement floor <laughs> and up to at least the first floor, if not the second floor, before we then start thinking of revenue neutrality. No. So where do you think the administration should go? I mean, there's been talk about tax reform in terms of comprehensive uh, reform, but it seems like that might be being scaled back given you know, the realistic... It has to be scaled back. I mean, you need a huge amount of unanimity of... Uh, of commonality of thought and direction to get massive tax reform. Now you can pass a tax bill with one vote. You can't pass tax reform with one vote. You really need it like we had in 86 where the vote was 97 to 3. Yeah. You know, that's what you really need. Bipartisan work and really getting the thing done correctly. 
What I believe the administration should do and what I think Congress should do is focus on the most powerful stimulant to the economy you can get that is basically agreed upon by most members of Congress, and that's the corporate tax rate reduction. I think what we should do is cut the corporate tax rate from 35% to 15% and do nothing else. Just wherever you Not on the individual side? No, nope. well, yeah, I want to do the individual side, but I want to make it a clean bill, just bam, to put adrenaline right in the heart of the economy and boom this thing up so you get that big growth. You know, 12% growth in real GDP solves a lot of problems. It solves state and local revenue problems. It solves school funding problems. It solves opioid addiction problems. It solves jobs. I mean, the best form of welfare is still a good high paying job. You know, you need that once just boom up there. And once you get that, then you can sit back and take a deep breath and then start thinking about all the rest. But you need that adrenaline hit to the heart. And that really would be the corporate tax rate reduction. No one argues against a corporate tax rate reduction because of redistribution. Mm. But when you get the personal income tax, oh, you can't cut rich people's taxes, not poor, you know. Yeah, sure. You know, and of course, everyone knows from an economic standpoint, cutting the highest tax rates are the ones that generate growth. Cutting low tax rates don't generate growth. I mean, I've never been employed by a poor person. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't mean to use that old line, but, yeah. but it's true. But do you think there's the political will, though, to only give corporations a tax cut, just given the populist mood and, you know, wanting to give something to the middle class? That's well, I hope it's not. Really... I hope they want to do much more. Yeah. But I just want it in this one bill. Mm. It doesn't mean you can't pass another bill. It doesn't mean you can't pass 500 other bills. But this one is just one man, one goal, one mission, one worldwide vision. Just bam, and get this thing going, and you can really bring those companies back from abroad. Uh, you can really get them to stop sheltering their income. You can get them to stop using fancy tax forms and organizational structures. You can get tax evasion to drop a lot. You can get real output growth in there as well. You can, get, you can pump up all sorts of other tax revenues like personal income, like payroll taxes, like all this stuff, the secondary, tertiary, and quaternary tax revenues. You can pump up state and local tax. You know, economic growth does all of that. And it brings budgets back into line, and then it allows you to address health care properly. I mean, I, I wish they would just repeal Obamacare, because what we had before Obamacare wasn't all that bad. I mean, we all lived, and we, we're here. I mean, you know, uh, I wish they did, but that's not going to happen because of the huge political infighting, and everyone's worried about their seat. So just one quick wham, and let's go for it. Yeah. So stepping back at some of the other um, examples of you know the, the models that you support in terms of supply side economics, and you're obviously known for the Laffer curve, there are um, some people who looked at uh, what was happening in Kansas as a model for you know how that could really induce growth. And we've seen some Republicans or backlash against that. Do you think? that says anything about that model or do you feel like the way it was handled there was maybe you know not the best example well i've written a very one and if anyone wants to get it from me i'd be more than happy to share them with a detailed description of kansas but kansas is one of the least important events i mean hmm. kansas i mean they did have a tax cut sam brownback proposed a 90 million dollar tax cut uh they were opposed by all the other republicans it was infighting amongst republicans then all the incumbent republicans were knocked out and then in their final lame duck moment, they passed a much bigger tax cut, which was not Sam Brownback's. 
and, and dared him to sign it, and he did. And uh, that wasn't the reason the thing, but we, there was a billion dollar uh, uh, infusion into the pension fund. There was a Supreme Court decision, state Supreme Court, to fund schools more. Yeah. There were some, four, I mean, then prices and agriculture prices fell and oil prices fell that all hurt Kansas a lot. The bottom line is, it did okay. You know, there were some uh, nice results in Kansas City, Kansas versus Kansas City, Missouri. The, the most flattering thing of all is the Missouri legislature in response to Sam Brownback's tax cut, cut their tax rates by 10%. Jay Nixon, the governor of the state, vetoed it. The legislature then passed it over his veto. So if imitation is the most sincere form of flattery, <laughs> at least they thought it was a good bill. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if you look at Kansas, I'd, I'd much rather, much prefer, much, I think it's much more important to look at the failures of places like Illinois, mm -hmm. like Connecticut, mm -hmm. like West Virginia. Which all have like fiscal. Yo, know, just Major all have high tax challenges. rates. I mean, mm. if you look at the states that are doing well, Tennessee, just kicking tush. Mm. Texas, Florida, Nevada, all the zero income tax states, Wyoming, South Dakota, they're all just New Hampshire. I mean, these are all the zero income tax states. You know, those are the ones that really these people should be looking at for lessons. Mm. And my opponents have so little evidence there that they're grasping at the one time that maybe there was something wrong. Mm. But, you know, we have 50 states for 70 years. We have 80 counties in each state. We have three municipalities in each county. We have data out the wazoo on these things. If you look at my book, The Wealth of States, that I wrote with Rex Singfield and, and Steve Moore and Travis Brown, Look at we look at all of these policies, and it's unambiguous that tax rates really redistribute people, not income, and that the states that do well are those that are the low tax states and those that are cutting their taxes. And Kansas, uh, I don't think was a failure, but it surely was a political failure. Yeah, yeah. and that's primarily because Republicans were going after Republicans. I mean, there are mm -hmm. no Democrats in Kansas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there really aren't. Well, yeah, <laughs> well, and, you know, we're seeing a bit of that here. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, what you're seeing here in, in Washington is the Republicans aren't united. Mm -hmm. But it's not a matter of Republican or Democrat. It really shouldn't be either. It, it's how you view the world and economics. And economics is all about incentives. People like doing things they find attractive. And they're repelled by things they find unattractive. And government policies, especially taxes, can change the, the attractiveness of activities. If you tax people who work and you pay people who don't work, do, do I need to say the next yeah. sentence to you? <laughs> it's a simple equation. It's, it's really a If you tax rich people and give the money to poor people, you're going to get lots and lots of poor people and no rich people. I, I know they say it's not true, but it is true. So you were uh, just on Capitol Hill, and you had um, you were in touch with the Trump campaign for you know during uh, his run. What is your sense of how open they are to just doing sort of a more simple fifteen percent? Yeah. Well, don't exaggerate my my. I I think Trump's fine. I like him. I like the team there. I think it's good. I was not a major advisor for mm -hmm. Trump during the campaign. I met with him. I met with his team, but sure. but I wasn't. Yeah, uh, but you him. know Stephen Moore and some of the others. Yes, as well, I know that. Were. Yes, I do. <laughs> They're my best friends. <laughs> I'm not sure how much influence they had there, but mm. you know they had a lot more contact than I ever had yeah. in that process. But uh, I think the Trump campaign's fine. I think the Trump people are fine. I think Mnuchin's great. I think Cohen's wonderful. I think the vice president's great beyond belief. 
I look at all these staffers he's got there. I mean, it's high-quality people. I mean, he's having a hard time getting them in, in. They're blocking and slowing it down. I even like Jeff Sessions very, very much. Mm -hmm. I, I think Mick <laughs> Mulvaney is great. I mean, if you look at it, Tom Price is fantastic as head of HHS. Rick Perry, it doesn't get any better than Rick Perry on energy. So you've got a great team, and we'll just see how things work out. But there was no lack of talent. There's no lack of... The question is whether you can herd all these cats yeah. and make this thing effective. Yeah. And it's not easy. Well, so what would your advice be for, if, if you were advising uh, the president now or Secretary Mnuchin in, in terms of how to push something through that is meaningful and substantive and not some sort of kind of weakened version of itself the way they might be doing on healthcare right now? I, I, would, do, I would do the James Carville model. Mm. which is keep it simple, stupid. Kiss, the, remember his mm -hmm. kiss one? Have one man, one goal, one mission, and just go for it. Now the one I'd like to see them do is I'd like to see them take the corporate rate from 35 yeah. to 15. What I would have loved to have seen them do is pass repeal of Obamacare two years from today. So we are passing the bill, so you have to have another bill to keep it alive and give them two years run room for the Democrats and Republicans to get, and after another election, I'd make it after the next election uh, for the two years so that people have time to play it out in the politics and see if there's something that comes out of the political process. But that's what I do with health care and, you know, with, with the corporate tax, I think you'd do fine. And then I'd wait personal income tax reform till after that election. <laughs> uh, you know, 2018 will be a sort of a sort of midterm grade, if you will. Mm -hmm. And will he get a B, a C, an A, or an F? I mean, you know, let's find out. I'm very excited about the future, as you can tell. Yeah, well, and hopefully you can see if they're um, receptive to your ideas. You <laughs> make hey, the rounds here. Let me just tell you, I will guarantee you that they ultimately will be receptive. Hmm. After trying every wrong answer, they finally have to do the right answer. And this is the right answer. You know, you cannot tax an economy into prosperity. I'm, I'm sorry, that just doesn't work in economics one. A poor person cannot spend himself into wealth. It just doesn't happen there. So, you know, if they will come to the right answer. The question is how far down do we have to go before there? It's about time to flip it and yeah. get going up. And I, I'm ready. As Nixon said, fit, tan, rested, and ready to run. <laughs> Great. Well, I think we'll end it on there then. Thank, Thank you, you so much. My pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. We'll see if Republicans can regroup on tax reform after their failed effort to repeal Obamacare. At the very least, the GOP is even more motivated to rack up a win. Anyway, that's it for now. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Exchange Podcast. I'd like to thank our producers, Bethel Hopti, Kate Duguid, and Andrew D'Antonio, and all of you for listening. If you haven't already, please sign up on iTunes and anywhere else you satisfy your audio cravings for The Exchange, The Views Room, and other Reuters podcasts. You can also check us out at BreakingViews.com and on Twitter at BreakingViews and at Gina Chan. Thanks for tuning in.